Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home of NARC Troopers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please visit my website, narctroopers.com, where you will find articles, podcasts, and a video blog. Today's topic is the two phases of recovery following relationship trauma. These are the steps to freedom from NOS, which is Narcissistic Abuse Syndrome. Yep, that's the thing. If you haven't heard of NOS or NAS, Maybe it's NAS, but that kind of sounds ugly. So, um, yeah, Narcissistic Abuse Syndrome. All right, so let's first talk about Level 1. Learning about personality disorders and dismantling of the trauma bond and addiction. Fresh after the discard, or escape, if you're so fortunate, it may take months or even years to recover. Um and to regain some semblance of a fulfilling life and be free from the trauma-induced CPTSD and other manifestations of the toxic partnering. First, the individual must do damage control and figure out how to keep functioning well enough to carry on with obligations, just daily stuff, family, job, um, you know, just all the logistics of living. The next step after you get that going on is to put on your snorkel and take a deep dive exploration of what you are dealing with. (laughs) Yeah, of what you are dealing with because it is something else that you probably have never heard about. So you have to figure out what your partner was and kind of what to expect after being in a relationship with with a person like that for an extended time. And then after you do all that deep sea diving, finally, one must attack the problem of the trauma bond addiction to the partner with narcissistic personality disorder from here forward called NPD, antisocial personality disorder, ASPD, and of course, the big kahuna, psychopathy. You have to continue functioning and living life in the beginning, you know, when you are thrust into the aftermath of an abusive relationship with a disordered partner who suffers from NPD or some variation of it, there can be a complete collapse that assaults every part of your being. It can cause biochemical reactions, physiological symptoms, emotional unraveling, spiritual annihilation, physical pain and disease, and even more. You know, it is, um, for lack of better words, a whole body experience. It attacks every part of you, body, mind, and soul. So, of course, there's no quick recovery. You have a lot of um, layers of recovery that have to happen before you can hope to just get on with your life. Um, You may have CPTSD symptoms, complex PTSD, such as insomnia, flashbacks, triggers, acute anxiety, brain fog, crippling panic attacks, suicidal ideation, shaking and trembling, night terrors, despair, intrusive, looping, obsessive thoughts and ruminations, fibromyalgia, digestive issues, excessive weight loss or weight gain, adrenal fatigue, and just, you know, complete hopelessness and despair. It's just, there are no words for it. 
But you know you can't just curl up in a fetal position and die. That's not an option. You may have children who need you. You may have a job that you cannot miss. Um, there could be obligations that cannot be neglected simply because you are experiencing a complete meltdown of epic proportions. You know, you don't have that luxury. Probably you don't. You can't afford collateral damage in the form of your career, your livelihood, your relationships with family or friends or any other necessary part of your life. You just simply can't afford it. You've lost enough already. So you have to keep going. But now you may ask, how do I do that? How do I keep going? Well, I think you need to see a professional and, you know, medical professional, mental health professional. Tell them you are in crisis. Ask for something to help you manage the panic attacks and anxiety. Clonopin, which is um, benzodiazepam was a lifesaver for me. I microdosed a fourth of a tab of this benzo every two hours through the day to stave off the panic attacks. It kept me on my feet and it kept me in front of my classroom of students. I'm a high school uh, junior and senior student teacher. I'm not a student teacher. Juniors and seniors are my students and I teach them which I could not do in this condition because I was totally uh, wiped out. I just was. So I had to have that. I knew I didn't want to be on it permanently, um, but it was a necessary thing to have to get me through the first few months that were really impossible to get through by myself. I just, I, I couldn't do it. So um, you can go to your place of worship you know, and see what resources they may have to offer you. And if you do seek a therapist, you need to seek one that's trained in narcissistic abuse recovery. Sometimes they say they are, but they are not. You need to find a specialist, not just someone who did a workshop one weekend on it. You need someone who specializes in that because the deeper they understand it, the quicker your recovery can go and the sooner you're going to be out of pain. Look online in your city if uh, you don't have any qualified practitioners or providers with this specialty. You know, you have to um, do your due diligence and, and vet your person before you choose them. You know, check them out. Make them pass, pass muster, I guess this is how that goes. Uh, the next thing you need to do is you need to find your tribe Seek narcissistic abuse recovery groups through Meetup, Codependence Anonymous. Um, there's Al-Anon. Um, Codependence Anonymous, Anonymous is called CODA, C-O-D-A, which is definitely worth doing because, you know, you can get a, a, a sponsor just like they have an AA for Alcoholics Anonymous and you don't realize why you would need one maybe right now, but trust me, having a sponsor will come in handy more times than you can imagine in the coming months that are ahead of you. If you're just getting started for those veterans of the war, you know what I'm talking about. Those times when you want to break no contact and text them or call them, you call your sponsor instead. Instead, it's, it's an addiction. It's just like wanting to take a drink you need somebody that's going to help you stop yourself from doing it because it's only going to delay your recovery and cause you pain. Yep. So uh, you need to find this group, find your tribe and find these people that you, you know, you need them for support. You have to have them for support. You can't do this by yourself. Most friends and family have no idea what is happening to you. So friends and family are not always the best choice to help you through this. Sometimes you need people who have actually experienced it and are ahead of you on the recovery arc and they can tell you what to expect and pitfalls to avoid. And just the wisdom of the experience of surviving this will be a critical part of your healing. Got to trust me on that. It's really true. There are no exceptions that you need that. 
Um, so family and friends have no idea what's happening to you. So they can only be of, um, just a little bit of help and support, but not really to get in there and do the, do the hard work. Um, you can meditate, pray, practice mindfulness, and then pray some more. Take, um, you can also take natural supplements that help with the neurotransmitters, which is kind of what the SRI prescription drugs do. And that's the first line of defense against this kind of thing is when you go to the mental health professionals or even the medical doctor, my medical doctor was trying to prescribe me SRI uh, medications to remap my brain and to, to uh, regulate the serotonin and other hormones and chemicals being released that were all jacked up and out of whack because of the trauma. Um, you can take supplements to uh, help regulate that. Um, like 5-HTTP, that's the name of it, the number 5-HTTP. Magnesium helps, vitamin B vitamins, B12 in particular, and others. There's a, a lot of information about that online. You can look it up to see what supplements would be good for you. Um, you know, when you finish this experience, I think you're going to be much closer to um, understanding how your body works, how your mind works. You're going to be closer to God and to spirit and to source, you know, after this experience. Um, you know, if all fails, all else fails, you can call the crisis hotlines. There's suicide hotlines and then there's crisis hotlines. And um, I called both for those first few months. And uh, I found that crisis hotline was really helpful because it's not necessarily meaning that you're suicidal. It just means you're overwhelmed. You're having a meltdown and you need somebody to help, help ground you and help bring you back to um, a place where you can manage yourself. Um, so don't hesitate. You know, there's, they're good people. They're there for you to talk to you and, and they will listen and um, help you in ways that friends and family just can't. They just can't. It's too, too much for them to, to, to probably see you in that, in that condition. So, and so you just get up and you get going and keep going. You have to learn what NPD and cluster B disorders are. You know, GI Joe often said, you know what he said, right? Can you guess? You remember? Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> yeah, knowing is half the battle. Well, I don't know if it's half the battle, um, but it is very critically important to roll up your sleeves and start learning everything you can about narcissistic personality disorder. Learning everything about it's going to help you understand what happened, why it happened, and how it will always happen with these disordered people on the NPD spectrum. And it is on a spectrum like so many mental health issues are. Um, so, you know, uh, it's going to help you to make sense out of the madness that seems to be, you know, just everywhere. Um, and it will give structure and shape to your reactions to it kind of to help you understand things like your trauma and the trauma bonding, intermittent reinforcement, parentification, cognitive dissonance, delusional disorders, schizoid disorders, all the different things that you really need to know to be able to deal with this. That's one of your very first steps. Really educate yourself. Really go on that deep dive. Once you have that, then you can move forward armed with a full understanding of the situation and what is needed to recover. And you know what? There's hundreds of resources that you can use when you're ready to dive in. Professionals, life coaches, recovery specialists, doctors, therapists, and healers of all stripes um, will guide you to the next level of healing and strengthen you as you navigate these dark waters that you find yourself drowning in right now. Um, this list that I just mentioned consists of people that I have used to help me 
but I'm certain that there are many others that I have failed to mention. So don't limit your search just to what I said. You know, there's websites, blogs, vlogs, articles, YouTube videos, podcast channels, courses, workshops, programs, a lot of them free. Some of them cost money. Uh, you start searching for them and uh, then just jump in trial and error, try it all out and, and start reading, listening and watching, you know, podcast kept me alive music. It was a trigger for a whole year or more. I couldn't listen to it because it set me off and I couldn't breathe and my heart started beating really fast and you know, all that started happening. So no music couldn't watch television either. <laughs> I know. And, uh, cause it really would have been nice just to veg out and binge watch some Netflix or something, but I couldn't, it, it was a trigger also. So the only thing that I could do since I couldn't watch TV, couldn't listen to music, um, reading was really hard because I had so much brain fog and cognitive dissonance. I couldn't focus on that. And since I taught all day, I was done with reading by the time I got home. So I listened to podcasts on my way to work, on my way home from work, while I was feeding myself, as I was taking my shower, I even put the phone up with the podcast playing in the shower. I listened to it at bedtime because I have insomnia. I can't go to sleep. I haven't slept like a normal person in two years, two months, and two weeks. <laughs> I think that's about right. I can't go to sleep. I, I've been getting like four or five hours of sleep since the discard, since he left. And it's not because, well, it's not for bad reasons. Like you're thinking, well, you're just crazy. Just getting, letting yourself get out of control. No, I really can't. I've tried everything and I refuse to dose up with Ambien or something like that. Maybe some of you can tolerate it, but I am not one of those people. And I think it would just push me over the edge. I'd be one of those people sleepwalking and, and going over to his house and ending up in jail or something. So, uh, no Ambien for me. So, uh, here's some helpful things that you could think about when you're thinking about where to start. Uh, Melanie, Tanya Evans, I used her podcast. Lisa Romano. Now listen, you know, I play YouTube videos on my car cause I have the YouTube app on my phone. It doesn't have to be on the podcast channel. I play YouTube videos by Melanie Tanya Evans and by Lisa Romano and some of these other people, Kim Saeed, Dr. Romani, Rhonda Freeman, Angie Atkinson, um, betrayal trauma recovery is her channel. Uh, Rebecca Zung, Meredith Miller. There's, there's a lot of really good ones. I don't think all of them have podcasts, but you know what? You just hit play on the YouTube thing and connect it to your Bluetooth. You're going to hear it like a podcast while you're driving. You're going to hear it like a podcast in your earbuds when you're cleaning house. And it helped me keep my sanity. It helped me get away from my thoughts that I was drowning in, but it wasn't a trigger. So podcast. Yeah, babe. That is definitely a very handy tool to have when you're struggling. Um, when you're ready for the, now those are the people you need to cut your teeth on. Cut your teeth on the guys I just mentioned because they have basics and foundational things you need to know. They talk about things like what is word salad? What is gaslighting? Why does the narcissist Hoover? You know, stuff like that. But once you have digested all of that, you can go to level two and level up. And on that level, I've got two narcissists, narcissistic psychopaths that I just adore them. They have the greatest content and you also kind of get, get it like from the viewpoint of a narcissist, like what's it like to be them? It's very rare that you have a self-aware narcissist who knows what they are. If they're truly a pathologically disordered um, narcissist with delusions and schizoid tendencies. And it's like the mental illness part, not the kind of narcissist like narcissist, like, Oh, we're all narcissists. Yeah, we are, but not like this. This goes far on the other deep end of becoming uh, an impediment to their life where they can't function. They make bad decisions. They're everything, you know, they have no, no, um, 
core to them. Um, so these two people that I found that are narcissists who have sort of leveraged that to create a lot of content are very impressive narcissists. And like I said, you know, they're, um, they're rare because they are self-aware. They know what they are. And most narcissists, the low level and the mid-level narcissists have no idea that they are narcissists. I, I'm sure they know that there's something wrong with them, but they don't understand what it is. They don't believe you when you tell them. It, it just doesn't resonate with them. They don't get it. Those two people are Sam Vaknin, V-A-K-N-I-N, Sam Vaknin. I really enjoy him. He's very academic. He has a PhD. He's a professor. Uh, he has written a bunch of books and he's super, super smart. So if you like the academic scholarly kind of researched stuff for level two, I recommend him. You know, sometimes he's a little hard to take, but mostly I've learned a lot from him. And the other is HG Tudor. Now he's a little bit more dramatic, less scholarly, less academic, but the foundations of what he talks about are no less important. They are important. They are level two important stuff because he's got his own spin on it and his own uh, verbiage and uh, language that he uses to talk about it, his own diction and word choice. And it's really quite fascinating. I've learned a lot from him too. Um, he's got some <laughs> podcasts that are kind of dramatic because his voice is very scary <laughs> kind of. Uh, the other guy has uh, a cute sense of humor, Sam Vaklin. I appreciate his, his humor, but H.G. Tudor, no humor. He's a very dry, uh, arrogant, entitled narcissist that comes across, and he's just got this voice that's just so, um, I don't know. You'll see if you check him out. But let's not start with that. If you have been in recovery for a while, if you've been at this for, I would say, six months or more, and you have all the foundational knowledge in place, then you can start adding Sam Vaknin and HD Tutor. If you do them before you do the other, you're not going to have the understanding that you need to have to be able to fully appreciate what these guys have to offer. So please do it in order. Um, you know, it's really going to work out better for you that way. I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for decades. I know what I'm talking about, guys. All right. Two final suggestions uh, of high popularity are Richard Grannon and Brene Brown. They're very mainstream. Everybody has that you have name recognition for these guys. You'd say Brene Brown. They did that at my school. They used her for in-service training for teachers. And I'm like, I thought she was a narcissistic abuse specialist. And here we are looking at Brene Brown in regard to like training teachers how to be uh, sensitive to students' needs during this difficult time or something. Okay, whatever. But they're very like, um, you know, I don't want to minimize or discount the value of their work by saying that they're pop culture because that carries a really negative connotation. So let's not say that. Let me just say they're mainstream. They have name recognition. They're the big fish um, that sort of, you know, they're the big fish. You know what that means. So, um, so let me tell you, you must break the trauma bond and get free of addiction. That's, that's, that's something that you need to do. During the narcissistic cycles of abuse, partners who are engaged in the shared fantasy, that's what it's called during the golden period and during the time you're thinking that you're in something that's real and, and okay and everything, um, you often become addicted to, their, to, to that person that's abusing you. Um, you know, it kind of works like this. They are cult-like programming or conditioning you in some way. And that results in something that resembles sort of Stockholm syndrome. There's intermittent abuse that's alleviated by periods of kindness and sweetness and wonderful bliss and all of that good stuff. And it's, it's a break. It's a reprieve. It's like a time out from the pain. So when that happens, 
dopamine floods your your brain because it's such a relief not to be suffering and to have the pain and it feels so good that it's like you know injecting heroin in your eyeballs or something you're you are tripping on the good stuff and man it's good i mean it is strong this brain chemical and so your brain acts like a drug on on heroin it provides this blast of relief and bliss um and you're incapable of seeing that seeing that that the person that's making you feel that way is also an abuser um so you should run away but you don't because you stay through the rough stuff you stay through the abuse because you know you're going to get a hit of that good stuff if you just wait if you just hold on the good stuff's coming the good stuff's coming gotta have it gotta have it oh yeah it's like that and you know it, it is very much the same dynamic as um addiction so you just kind of have to look at it that way we we who have loved these people we're love junkies we're junkies we're love junkies relationship junkies we're narcissist junkies addicted to them and to that chemical that they provide when they're nice because they're not always naughty they're naughty and nice and so when they're naughty you look away and when they're nice it's like oh yeah come to mama so <laughs> i don't know where that came from i don't know i think weird things sometimes so anyway um you know they um if you get caught up in this cycle then you're incapable of running away you minimize it you discount it you deny it justify it rationalize it dismiss it all their transgressions boundary violations betrayals criminal acts of and misdeeds all of it all of it you you just put up with it so you can get that hit get that fix of of that those brain chemicals it affects the serotonin levels along with cortisol and other um, brain chemicals that keep you addicted in this whole cycle of abuse. So um, you get bonded to the abuser through this whole um, brain chemicals and trauma in the body and stuff. So this bond has to be severed and the addiction must be addressed if there's any hope that you're gonna get free from this. That's why it's so hard to go no contact and to maintain some strict policy of like get away stay away you know the addicted partner often hopes that they will be hoovered which means the narcissist comes back and sucks them back in like a vacuum cleaner hoovering them sucking them back in some a lot of us hope that's going to happen i see all the questions on quora all the time is my narcissist going to hoover me do they always hoover how long does it take before they come back and do the hoover and you know what they're thinking because i've thought the same thing what would i do if he showed up at my front door right now <laughs> right would i peep out the little hole and see him and say oh hell no and call 911 and have the police come pick him up i don't know that's what i should do but you know i might just open that door and invite him in and off we go to fantasy land again because it's that strong of a draw um the whole addiction thing is really that powerful um so what do i want to tell you next um uh, there are many techniques that range from pattern interrupt to edmr and all this that can reset your brain when all the chemicals hijack your reasoning and logic and all of your sense all of your ethics all of your dignity gone <laughs> oh trust me it just goes right out the window boom you know i hadn't seen my narcissist ex-husband in over a year um oh gosh no wait a second i saw him last november so it had been um it was it had been a year and a half or so <laughs> and i thought you know i'm gonna see him. it's not gonna be any big deal i'm gonna give him a few of his things it's gonna be all right man i got one look at him 
and it was like I was struck by lightning. I nearly fell out of my chair. I was overwhelmed with a rush of emotion that started in my head and my chest, and it just radiated through my body like electricity. I couldn't help but smiling. I got awkward. I was fumbling and stumbling and dropping my stuff, forgetting my words. I was like a, a middle school kid, you know, in the lunchroom that is, somehow finds themselves sitting across from their secret crush. That's what it was like. I thought I was just going to implode just sitting there. It was powerful stuff. And what I should have said was, you are a mentally like ill person with character deficits and incapable of love, empathy, incapable of being, um, you know, a neurotypical person. So I went, I'm done. I was so done. I'm not going to let you affect me anymore. But that is not what happened. And that's not how I felt uh, when I saw him. So do not underestimate the power of all the stuff that's going on with that. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to work on it. But, um, you know, maybe you need a sponsor. I needed a sponsor. I could have go with me to keep me from getting in that position. That's what I should have done is taken my sponsor with me. So think of it like this. What would the, this is how you need to think about it. What would a drug addict do? What would an alcoholic do in that situation? You know, um, they would do a 12 step meeting or something after this, or they would get their sponsor to go with them. Um, you know, of course, acknowledging that addiction is the first step. And I think that what we want to do is try to maintain some sobriety. Yeah, some sobriety. All right, that took a while to talk about stage one. That's stage one of recovery. All of that, the learning, educating yourself about it, and, the, you know, all, all that we just talked about is step one, building your tribe. Um, so let's talk about step two. After you've done all this, and depending on the length of the time that you spent with them, who knows how long it could take. It could take a long time. It could take years or months. I guarantee you it's not just going to be a matter of weeks. That just that's never happens. It's We're talking months or years. Um, so at some point, hopefully, you're going to get to level two. Yeah, level up, power up, yay. So this is the part where you heal your old wounds, and then you have the construction of a whole new self. You know, they say something about how the cells in your body are replaced every seven years, and that's why your taste buds change every six or seven years, and it's like I used to hate celery. Well, actually, I still hate celery. Let me think of something else. I used to hate pickles, but now when I go to Chick-fil-A, I leave that pickle on that sandwich because my taste buds have changed. I can tolerate the pickle. And if you had shown me that pickle a couple of years ago, nah, uh not having it. So people replace their cells um, every seven years or so. You're having to build yourself from scratch. To You're not just resurrecting yourself. Recovering implies that you're going back to retrieve something, like a dog fetching a bone, like you're going back for your old life, for what you lost. But I don't want you to think of it that way. I want you to think of this as that you are constructing and building. You are the architect of your future. You are the architect of your dreams. And you are the architect of your freedom. And if you want to recover from this, you have to start from scratch. Tabla rosa. Clean slate. And just build from the ground up. A whole new support system. A whole new ideology of ethics of morals of what you believe a whole new a whole new world <laughs> as i'm quoting disney tunes i shouldn't do that they have crazy copyright laws probably because i said that word they're going to come after me um okay so step two is the healing of your inner childhood wounding and toxic scripting plus the construction and building of a whole new self. So after you have completed all those other steps in part one, 
then you get to go to part part two yeah pass go during this phase the focus is on you not them phase one you're learning about them phase one you're accepting what they are phase one you're doing all that stuff but on phase two it's all about you phase two is about you yep and you're not thinking about the dysregulated mentally impaired partner that you have worked so hard to try to understand and to release and let go of all through part one but it's your turn now to begin you have to unpack the trauma the wounding the toxic scripting and programming from early childhood that has impacted your life in negative ways and may have become a dysfunctional pattern I know it was a pattern with me I did it three times in my life and that pretty much took up my whole life three relationships with three unwell not okay people and why because my childhood was such a train wreck my mom was mentally off her rocker bless her poor heart and uh, I just tried to do what good old mom showed me all those years <laughs> some wild stuff that's why I picked um, people who were not okay because she wasn't okay and so you got to figure that stuff out next in stage two um, you know you got to figure out what happened to you that caused you to be a good target that caused you to be vulnerable you know I've heard people say oh we just hate it when uh, people blame us we're the victim we, we were smart we are gorgeous we were successful and they just came after us like the predator they are like the demon they are and they just gobbled us up well that's not really true because a healthy person would not have been deceived that way I'm sorry people that's just true a healthy neurotypical well-balanced adjusted person with great boundaries and that has the whole red flag alert system going on where when the red lights start blinking you head for the door and you exit and you keep going and you do not look back a normal average healthy person that's healthy and has no issues no attachment disorders and abandonment disorders and dependency disorders like codependency and stuff like that a healthy person would walk the F away so there has to be something that makes you vulnerable to what they do to all their Houdini magic wizardry that they put the hoodoo and the voodoo on you you know you're vulnerable because there's something in you that is making you vulnerable to people that are predatory like the narcissist and they are predatory um, you got to figure out what it is and you have to be willing to look at yourself and turn inward and go down in you went deep sea diving trying to figure out what they were what happened with them what happened in the relationship you've done an autopsy on the cadaver of your marriage or your relationship okay that's done now it's time to do the autopsy on yourself because what you have is something that has has ceased to thrive or live so you need to just let it go quit trying to resuscitate it or teach it new things sometimes they just can't sometimes it's better just to scrap it and start from scratch and that's what I'm suggesting that you do find that inner child grab her by the hand or him by the hand lead them to safety and start over in a new place with a new life and with new fresh ideas and enthusiasm and hopes and dreams new being the key word take that inner child that lives inside of you and lead them to safety and then create and build and it should be a fabulous invigorating experience to do that because you're free and you have real feelings you have real values and ethics and morals you have real capacity to love you have you're a full-fledged warm-blooded human not someone that has been traumatized and victimized to the point that they're just dead inside 
that they just murdered themselves and replaced their true self with a fake self, with a false persona. You, you're, you're not that. You can heal. You can create. You can be. They cannot. They are what they are. They're going to repeat the same thing they did with you, with someone else, and then with someone else, and it's just going to keep going, and they are never going to change, and they're never going to see the light. They will never be at peace. They're like a shark that has to keep moving. Sharks have to keep moving. They can't just sit still. They're always moving in the water, constantly moving, looking for, for food. And they're the ultimate predator. And so is the narcissist, constantly moving, constantly looking. Just picture them swimming back and forth like a shark. You know, sharks are kind of beautiful, but they're also freaking scary. Don't want to swim with the sharks. No, you're going to be fish food. One bite, chomp, that's it, it's over. You're going to bleed out and game over. So, yeah, let's put the shark away and think about yourself. You have to unpack all of your baggage. Your Unpack that baggage. Unpack the baggage, right? Um, deal with your inner wounding. Do some triage. Bandage it up. Patch it up. Tell that little person that's little mini you that lives inside of you, tell them, hey, I'm so sorry that you're scared or that you're lonely or that you're sad or that you're having this or that or whatever. I am here and I'm not going to abandon you. I love you. Let's go have a wonderful life. Let's be happy. Let's be free. Come with me. Trust me. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. That's what you need to just say it out loud. Talk to your inner self and tell them, come on, we're going on an adventure. You've sat in here long enough being miserable. I'm here to rescue you. Um, you need to understand the consequences of your vulnerabilities, whatever broken or damaged things that you hold, whatever traumatic things that you hold in your body and in your soul. You got to look at them. You don't want to look at it because maybe they're shameful or ugly or difficult or painful, but you have to. You got to turn around and face the beast that is inside of you, conquer it, slay it, slay your dragon, and then live happily ever after. I think of Khaleesi jumping on the dragon's back. Any Game of Thrones fan, this is a reference to Game of Thrones. I want to be Khaleesi that rides the dragon into the sky and is just free. I hated the way that thing ended, and I just want you to say, she's. I just want to tell you, I think she's still a hero in my mind, even though she went nuts and did bad things in the end. That should never have been written that way. Shame on them. We need to keep our heroes heroes, and she was a freaking hero with those dragons. Oh, my gosh, and she kept her hair so perfect. What the heck? Whoever wrote that last season should prison time or something i don't know anyway if you've never watched game of thrones you probably don't know what i'm talking about sorry about that quick divergence there let me get back on track and finish this sorry we're also going long today there's a lot to say about this guys i want to give it to i want to give it all to you and have you sit there and marinate in it think about it for a while until it makes sense to you uh i want you to invite you to listen to this multiple times the same episode till it sinks in and then share it with someone else who's going through the same thing. So um, most, but not all of us have some kind of something that has gone on in our homes or in our lives that is not as it should be some dysfunctional, something that we need to deal with. And um, you know, it's a long road to recovery and when you realize that you must turn inward to resolve the issues that need your attention if you want to heal and become impervious to future dysfunctional predators and partnerships, you got to go inwards to find that and like do the triage, bandage the wounds, grab her or him and, and exit the building, find the new life, start from scratch, build it the way you want it, healthy, happy strong you know with the help of trained therapists and coaches the wounded partner can begin a dialogue with their inner self and uncover toxic programmings from their childhood develop self-preservation strategies advocate for themselves 
and have love, kindness, and forgiveness. You know, you have to find the sources of your fear and, and dispel them and be brave in place of fear. Fear is a magnet for evil, bad things. Fear is draws bad things to you. If you are brave, it's like a shield. It's like protection from the darkness. So if you are a fearful person, and I know I am, I fear so many things. I fear growing old alone. I fear just being alone in like from now until I do die. I fear um, a slow, horrible death. I fear... Um, I fear a lot of things. Fear, I, I struggle with that. And I know it. I've identified it so I can work on it and try to be braver. You know, I'm getting ready to move. This is um, um, this is August 2021. Um, my lease is up at the end of the school year at the end of May. And I'm going to practice what I preach. I'm making a plan right now. I am. I'm making a plan for how I'm going to start building. I'm already building. I'm building by making a plan. So, um, you know, you have to uh, learn to have inner validation, self-validation, instead of depending on others to define you and provide it for you. You've got to grow your identity, your power, your courage, and when all of the internal mechanisms are working properly, there will be no more attachment to the narcissist, nor the possibility for new toxic partnering. You must develop your own self-care system to manage your emotions. And so you understand what needs to happen. It's sort of quantum theory. You know, whatever happens within is what you draw to you without. That means outside of yourself, externally. What's, whatever condition your inside is, is what you bring to you from the outside. That makes sense, right? Heal the inside, and then you only attract and manifest similar healthy things. But if you're yucky in there, you're going to attract yucky things. How does one get this accomplished? Well, it is imperative to take slow steps towards building and this new scaffolding right? That will support you with your new self-sustainable life. You can't rush through it because if you do, it's that it's, you're going to build a house that will not stand. Think of it as installing the framework of a building complete with solar panels, rain barrels, a beautiful garden, perhaps a few chickens and goats, community garden. I don't know. You're creating the inner landscape that's going to support you without the necessity of going outside yourself to get it. That's what you're building. And yeah, it's going to take a little while, but it's, it's, um, it is absolutely necessary. You know, you will sit with yourself often and ask yourself, what am I feeling? And why, why do I need that right now? What, what do I need right now? Why am I feeling this way? You know, and just do some self-analysis and self-reflection. You know, you're going to do for yourself all that you did for your narcissist person. The same love and energy and patience and forgiveness and presence and faith and availability and support and love and all of that, you're going to give it to yourself instead of them. Because you can't help them. You can't change them. You can't fix them. You can only do that with yourself. Even if you are resistant at first, or maybe resentful that you have to do this at all, that you have to go solo for a while. I know that was a big one for me. Why did I have to do this? This isn't fair. I was a good person. I did good things. I had good intentions. I've never been a, been done anything wrong I never cheated I never betrayed I never got fussy you know like mean or I mean I'm I don't deserve this why do I have to be alone I see people that are partnered up and they're horrible people and they have a partner I'm a good person why don't I have one I went through that and I was resentful like this isn't fair I don't like it um you know, you have, you're going to fail if you keep that mindset. You have to let it go. 
you you do um you you have to find the inner strength to do the work so that you can get free and whole and experience healthy relationships with other people that's just as simple as that simple as pie you have to create and keep healthy boundaries okay so you've completed all the steps and you've finished all the hard work above the last piece before you venture out into the world is something you got to do to protect everything you've built you know it would be a tragedy to spend all the time and energy to build this new life and new self only to allow someone to come along and destroy all that you have created the chance of attracting another narcissist or psychopath after completing the recovery process is very slim but these are dangerous times and more and more disordered people are predatory in search of some vulnerable juicy target like you so you have to make sure you're healed you're whole you're not fragmented you're not waiting for somebody to complete you you got to make sure you got all this right because the best way to avoid these unsavory and mentally impaired people is to create firm and healthy boundaries and practice uh, what to say and do should someone attempt to breach these walls and storm your castle that's right I you don't want your castle to be stormed practice then enforce and consistently employ the disengage and distance plan to remain far away from the dark woods where danger lurks you know it's like little red riding hood should have stayed on the path and you need to stay on the path because you when you wander and you go into the woods you know what's in those woods yeah you have lain down with what is in those woods and you you know they they went for the throat and they just ripped it out like wolves do and you don't want that to happen ever ever again ever stay on the path stay on the path and you're going to be fine in conclusion finally <laughs> recovery comes in stages and phases and cannot be rushed or ignored without putting yourself at risk of another disastrous partnership with another predator who's incapable incapable it's not a choice they're incapable of ever being healthy or well they could get better they could get worse it all goes in cycles but you know they're missing a key component of their them, themselves um, that is just almost impossible to replace never say never I heard um, actually Sam Vaknin was talking about you know if narcissism really isn't a personality disorder maybe it's uh, a trauma response maybe it's like PTSD um, because sometimes all of that can be very scary and very um, uh, destructive to the person and if it is that we know how to heal trauma uh, we know how to like do that there are ways to mediate that so if it is trauma then maybe at some point in the future uh, you know we send people to space maybe we can figure out how to bring a narcissist back to life and to give him his heart back and resuscitate him and reanimate him or whatever you know because if you try yeah it, 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 I I personally have not ever seen that happen and I personally believe that they just go out there and continue the cycle of abuse but I don't want to ever say never I just don't want you to have hope that that's gonna happen for you because there's like 0.01 chance that that would happen seriously the statistically the odds it's against you it's not you know give it up let it go life is too short to gamble on something like that you know that's not just a long shot you're putting all your treasure on a dead horse <laughs> ghost horse all right so last thing to say you know it may be difficult at first to accept that this is your challenge 
but it does get a little bit easier and you can actually be successful if you're ready if you're ready to commit to a better life so that's it guys uh, 45 minutes of um, some very important stuff to take to heart and I hope it helps you regardless of what stage you are following uh, what happened to you in a relationship with your disordered mentally impaired uh, person with their character deficit and all the problems that they have they probably have other problems too that are that are undiagnosed you never know I find that most people have lots of crazy stuff going on and they you know you'd be surprised how many it's like you know comorbidities mutual stuff so let's just accept it what it is um because it's it's not happening and we need to focus on ourselves if we're in stage two and really uh, find ways to make that happen make that your goal so i've talked about stage one extensively i've talked about stage two extensively and i believe with all my heart and soul not just from my own experience but from all my research support groups clients that i have hundreds of people that i talk to um you know on emails and messaging and uh, zoom meetings and you name it after all that i can with confidence tell you what i've shared with you that's how it needs to go down that's what's going to work for you and you just need to jump in and and commit to making it happen okay that's it uh if you like my work uh follow me follow me on um here subscribe to the podcast uh and you can also follow me on on uh, medium.com i have about 140 articles so at, at different stages of your recovery i'm sure there are articles that are appropriate for you these are not just um you know bare facts or something they're well written <laughs> i I can say that there's very few things that I do well, but writing um, happens to be one of the things that I do well. Uh, I could probably count everything I do well on one hand, uh, maybe on three fingers, <laughs> and writing is one of them. So I think you will find the writing to be educational, inspirational, and just beautifully written to really stick with you. It has a stickiness quality. Uh, and I think it will really resonate with you and um, and be like a good dose of medicine for you. So uh, check out those articles on Medium. Follow my podcast and check out my YouTube vlog, guys. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, Narc Troopers, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. I got to work on that name. It's a mouthful, right? It's hard to remember. Uh, Pesqueta is my name sometimes you can just google pesqueta on social media and it'll take you to the right channel p-e-s-q-u-e-d-a but uh i have over 80 videos and you know what i have a huge following from my podcast i think they've been listened to almost 60,000 times 60,000 times all over the world the articles i have uh, i have grown very day by day i have gotten a, a a number each day for two years that i've been doing this now while i'm in my recovery each day there's a couple more people who follow me on medium and so i'm over a thousand followers and it took two years to get a thousand followers because i didn't pay somebody to go scoop them up off of however they do that like um there's ways they do that I just let it happen naturally and the people that follow me follow me because they want to get the articles in their inbox email every time I put a new one out which is once a week I do one article a week one podcast a week and uh, I'm gonna try to do two vlogs a week the podcast and the articles are the same content one is written one is uh audio on the podcast though i use it as a template 
And then I just kind of make stuff up and ad lib and add things and subtract things as I go. But the topic is the same. So you can find an article. It's not going to be just like this, but it will be very similar. You can find an article about the two steps of relationship recovery from narcissism. You can find that on Medium by, by Pesqueda, last name, P-E-S-Q-U-E-D-A dot medium dot com. The video vlogs are, have nothing to do with the articles or the podcast. They are my independent thoughts, separate, unfiltered, raw, and random. And they're the most fun of all because they're like unscripted, just like, what am I thinking right now? All right, let's talk about <laughs> dating after uh, narcissistic abuse. And then we talk about that for a while. So check out my video uh, vlog, video blog vlog on YouTube. <laughs> okay, that's enough pitching my stuff. Bye.